Hi, my name is Jane. I am an independent data visualization designer, and this is the fourth issue of the Wanderings of a Data Viz Designer. So for this issue, I'll be talking about um, two opportunities that came into me out of the blue in August, and it was a big surprise. Um, they the both were from LinkedIn, although I got one from email, one as a LinkedIn message. Um, and they came at a time when um, I wasn't expecting anything to come in. Um, I actually tracked all of my uh, all the leads I got since January, and uh, if you look at the visualization of it, it's um, it's pretty dark. <laughs> There's not a lot of um, promise if you look at it. A lot of the things that were uh, data visualization related didn't go through, and um, Quite frankly, I wasn't uh, an optimist. I was very realistic uh, because I always think about what people want, what people need. Uh, and I'm always focused on solving problems. And I know the things that I want to do don't necessarily solve a problem directly. Um, a lot of demands in this industry is very much technical. Uh, people look for uh, specific skill sets using Tableau, um, big data, um, interactive work, and all of these um, types of projects I don't have interest in. Um, and I, I'm always very blunt about that. And so whenever I talk to people who are interested in hiring me, I tell them that this isn't something I can help them with. Um, and so usually I just decline them or um, they will find someone else. Um, so what happened in August was I had one opportunity that came in from a, a Canadian bank and they're a, quite a large bank. And um, I had one from um, a school I used to um, go to studying design. And let's talk about each one. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in breaking them down and sharing things I learned. So the one from the bank, um, the person who reached out to me, I was a little bit surprised because they didn't look like a recruiter and their LinkedIn profile wasn't exactly updated. <laughs> um, and so I was, I was very suspicious of it. But when I did talk to, to them, it was um, very clear that they were from that bank and they're looking to hire someone. Um, they're just mainly looking to gather information and just learn more about me. Um, it was very strange because it, there wasn't a really formal process. Usually when people reach out to me, they'll have like a job description of what they're expecting, right? What kind of skills looking for, um, experience level, things like that, the usual, but that didn't exist here. So it was a very, I had to ask a lot of questions to probe those basic um, information. Um, a couple things that worked really well. So um, I asked why they're looking to hire. And I think this is a question that people overlook. Um, you know, sometimes people hire me because there's too much work in the pipeline. They need someone to help relieve that, or um, maybe they're looking to replace someone that left, right? Um, and it's really important to ask this question to understand how you fit in. And I think the whole time, my whole goal was to ask them, what, what do they need? What are they looking for? And what is something that I can do to fit that need? Like, what is something that I have that, that you know, very few pe other people have um, that I can fill for them? And so the whole time I was trying to figure that out. And, um, you know, a lot of times I had a hard time seeing the fit. They clearly saw a fit, but I didn't because... They could see my work. My work is public. Anyone can see it, but I can't see their work because it's confidential. And um, that makes it harder for me to judge if I'm a good fit or not, right? And so it really lies on their judgment to see how I'm good at it. And I have to ask them um, how they see I fit into what they need. And so a lot of my questions were around that, right? For example, I also asked, 
you know, why did you come to me specifically? I'm sure there are a couple other people you're considering. Why did you come to me, right? Um, and I think um, it was really useful to ask this question because I understood how specialized I am. Um, not a lot of people do data visualization, I would say in Toronto. Um, it, it's very few, um, especially people who are independent. And um, it's, it's challenging to find someone like me who only focuses on data visualization, nothing else. It's very risky to specialize in just one thing and not sort of diversify your skill set portfolio because you're really just, you know, putting yourself into one lane. Um, but that's the chance I took because I knew I wanted to become an expert at something. I had to do it that way. There's no other way. A couple of things <laughs> I really wish I did. The first was actually asking for a higher rate. The rate I asked for wasn't um, what I really wanted to quote in my heart, but I, I really chickened at the last second and I quoted them a, a little bit lower than what I had in my mind. Um, quite frankly, it's still a good rate, but I, I was still very, um, I felt very, very ashamed. I felt very, very guilty and regretful afterwards um, because what happened was on the second call I got on, um, they quick, they kind of really easily agreed to my rate. And that was a signal that my rate was lower than what they were expecting. Maybe or maybe not, I don't know, but it seemed like um, it wasn't out of their ballpark. I think that's a good thing, but at the same time, it, it kind of feels like I might have uh, lowballed myself. Um, and so that's that's just really hard to deal with. Um, but you know, I'm, it's experience, right? You have to kind of go through these things to really um, get better at it. Um, it was also interesting to figure out why they're looking to expand their team because they had a big team. I think it was over 10 people, but they had people who did design, specifically user experience design. They had people who developed things. Um, so they had developers. And this is a workflow that makes sense to me, right? People who create the idea of concept and people who implement it and execute on it. And um, when they work on projects related to data, they don't have people who specialize in, in data design. Um, understanding how to work with design, understand how to make it so that it's something that humans can consume and understand and create meaning from is a very challenging skill to cultivate and even to teach. Um, you know, you get lots of workshops that'll teach you about things like basic um, tools or how to, um, you know, how to how to manipulate data in Excel, for example, or using Python. Um, but it's really hard to teach the thing that's hard to see, the, the thing that isn't very tangible. And that's how to think about data and how to think about um, packaging it. Um, and it's something that you just have to practice. And so it's, it's a skill that also takes a lot of time to practice too. It's not something that comes easy. And so when they decided to, um, they needed that because there's a gap there. I think they're, they're seeing a gap in terms of what they can provide internally. Um, th that's why I decided to look into people like me. So that was useful information for me to understand. And it's, I think it's useful for anyone to understand that this is the value of data visualization as a whole, right? We can't really be replaced by just someone just taking on a skill who knows design. Um, and I think that's very hopeful because I think oftentimes what happens is a lot of agencies would just, or a lot of companies uh, would have analysts or they would have designers, engineers, and they'll try to train them to learn data visualization on the side. Um, and I think a lot of people do that successfully and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think um, there's value in having someone who's an expert and just, just focusing on data visualization. And to be honest, um, 
it's always changing. It's always updating itself. It's really hard to keep up as a side thing. I, I truly believe that. Um, just look at the, the pub, like articles being published all the time. It's, it's impossible to keep up. It really is its own discipline. Okay, so that was the first opportunity. So the second opportunity was um, from the school I used to attend. And it, it um, so what happened is that school follows me on LinkedIn. And I think that the coordinator, because maybe she can log into the account for the school of, of that program, um, has been seeing my posts. So maybe that's how she was aware of me because I, d- I didn't know her beforehand. Um, the coordinator who was there when I was a student um, is, is, has, has changed, right? She left. And so someone else replaced her and I don't know this person. And so um, it just happens that the school is following me. Um, it kind of was a bummer that I couldn't control how many hours I could charge, um, but I can't, I feel I can't really complain because I haven't done a workshop before. This is my first one. And um, I think this is a good good way to spread awareness of data visualization in Toronto. For me, that's really, really important. Um, I really want to advance data visualization design um, as a discipline in Toronto as much as possible. Uh, I'm just one person. There's only so much I can do, but I think this is one way to do it. And the only way for me to make it more worthwhile is to try to get more mileage out of it. So either, um, you know, a lot, you try to make it scale. That's the idea, make it scale. So when you, when you record, if you go to a conference, you do a talk, only the people who, like, um, I'm gonna correct this, hold on. Think about Netflix. This is a really good example on Netflix. Um, if you look at comedy shows in the past, what people did was they traveled to different locations and did their, their set, right? But now what's happening is more and more is that they're getting recorded and they're able to scale that to a larger audience. So it's not restricted to the area. And I think um, the way technology allows that is really interesting. And so the way I approach this is if I could record this um, workshop I create, I could release it online and allow it to be scalable, right? So it's not just exclusive for you know the students in the classroom, but it's also available for people outside of that and they can see my expertise. And I think it's really important to do everything you can to express your expertise because it's really hard to show something that's not tangible, right? You have to, you, you know, that's why books and lectures exist. It helps you show off what you're good at. Um, what, what worked? And I think um, I was very specific in asking the application of learning data visualization. I didn't want to just give them loose introduction of what data visualization is, you know, the very basics of it, it's very dry, right? I really wanted to get very specific and help them um, carry the skill forward even after the workshop. So I wanna be very specific on the takeaways I can provide for this workshop. Um, You know, maybe one or two key points. I don't wanna bombard them, right? And I think that's important. Um, It was also important to ask um, who else they considered for um, hosting or teaching this workshop because I don't really know who else exists like me in Toronto. I would love to meet people who are like me, build a network, you know, build a community. And I think that's going to, what's going to make this discipline stronger um, and this industry more uh, prevalent because the most important thing for an industry to exist is to have, um, is to build awareness and education. Um, a great example is looking at design, um, service design which is sort of related to the background I come from, which is in design strategy. So service design, um, relatively new 
when I was still a student, but now it's a little bit um, more, I would say more recognized. Um, at the time when I graduated, the Toronto had its first surface design conference. Um, so that just gives you an idea of how new it is. But it's, it's a very important discipline in um, connecting many services and products and understanding it as a system. Um, and I, at the time, they did so much education and outreach um, as a, I would, say, I would say as a professional network. And data visualization just doesn't have that. And I'm specifically talking about data visualization design. Um, it's very much lacking in Toronto. And um, I would love to see that changed, um, but I would like to first meet more people like me, right? And um, one of the reasons I ask that question is to first understand who else is in the market with like me and also understand, um, you know, what are they interested in? What are, what, what are they doing? Are they doing this as a side, for example? Um, I think it's always important to ask, them, um, ask people who else are considering if possible. Um, one thing I didn't ask about was the deposit payment. I totally just forgot about it. Um, I wish I asked about it just to have an understanding, but I did email them about it. And the best they could do was to have um, a contract signed. And I think, you know, that makes sense because there's nothing more you can do in terms of that, just how the payment system is structured. Um, we, whenever I do some work, I need to have some sort of promise that they'll see their end through. And if it doesn't come as a deposit, it comes as some sort of a contract. Um, especially if it's higher stakes. I think this is very important not to, and it depends how much you trust them too. Because it's a school I attended, it's a public institution. I have a, you know, they're not just gonna disappear up and go, right? They can't really go anywhere, There's their school. But I think it's important to have some sort of um, verification that they're gonna keep their end about um, paying me for my, my, my work. And so that was last month, and that was about the two opportunities that came in. Um, very, it was very unexpected when they came in, and um, I was very shocked. Um, it was very, it was very validating in many sense because, um, you know, I've, I've I've taken on a huge risk to do something that no, not many other people have done, or to my knowledge, no one else has done in Toronto, which is specializing just in data visualization, doing nothing else. I don't do branding, right? I don't do communication design. I just focus on data visualization and that's all I do. Um, a lot of people like me will probably do other things like for example, wayfinding, which is very popular and very much connected to information design and data visualization. A lot of people will just focus on, um, branding is very popular and it, it makes sense. You can make, um, uh, a whole package, right? When you do branding, um, it's this much, much more lucrative and much more, I would say much smarter to sell branding services than selling things individually like logos or assets. Um, it makes more sense to do as a package. Um, and I don't, do, I don't do any of that. I don't market any of that and I don't look for anything like that. Um, but I think, I think my story is a testament to sticking to your, um, specialty and there is value in being specialized and, and focusing on a niche. A lot of people will say that, and I think it is true. Sometimes it's very challenging because you miss, you might be missing out on something else elsewhere. Um, but it is a risk. And you know, I'm on what? Let's see, it's about a year, a little over a year, and I'm just seeing something like this come up. And it's taken a lot of time because um, I've only recently been more active on LinkedIn. Generally, with social media. You, you tend to be more more visible if you post more often and 
you know, people respond um, or react to your posts. Um, and that's really important to have engagement. And I think that's what's been happening on my account and that might be helping me. Um, it's sort of like SEO. It helps you kind of move up the rank when people search for certain terms, right? Maybe if they search for data visualization, I'm more likely to come up more often because I'm very active on it, right? A lot of people respond to the things I say. I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, from my understanding, it's very similar uh, and it makes sense. Of course, it does depend on location as well. Um, but I think LinkedIn is, is overlooked and, and by so many people in the design community. Um, it's so easy for us as practitioners to stick to our, our um, professional uh, network, and it's really hard to move beyond that. Um, but I think LinkedIn, um, if you're looking to, to brand yourself and you're looking to build and get more clients, LinkedIn is a place. I don't think Twitter and Instagram are great places for it, mainly because you're going to get a lot of like, like-minded people who will follow you and see your stuff. But I think LinkedIn is where it is. Okay, so that's it for this issue. Thanks so much for listening and see you in the next issue.